Blog Talk Radio. Francesca um, Ruth Mata from the uh, Great, Great Britain Lions in their international friendly versus Team Spain this past weekend in London. Um, so uh, welcome to the Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio, UltimateSportsTalk.com, alongside the informative Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez. And so, uh, Troy, a lot of international. We'll start with the women's game here before we dive into week two NFL and college, but uh, international friendlies uh, this past uh, weekend overseas. It was the uh, Great Britain Lions um, women taking on the Spain uh, Spanish team, and they win 33 to zero by uh, four touchdowns by this young lady here, Francesca uh, Mata, and she had a great game on the ground as well. And Bill Colby, the quarterback of the uh, the Great Britain uh, Lions, also stellar, and the defense obviously uh, amazing for a shutout. So uh, Spain only gets better. Uh, the last matchup they had was a couple months ago in July against the uh, inaugural uh, team Italia. So all these teams right here, this, the, the uh, English, British team plus the Spanish teams, are all getting kind of prepped up for the 2017 uh, IFAB World Championships. Uh, they're kind of coming up here in a couple of months here in the next summer. So uh, congratulations to Ruth Mata for being MVP and for her um, uh, basically triple – triple header uh, in terms of scoring. So great, great job by them. We also had uh, Team Russia, who plays obviously in the Finland League. Team Russia as well edges uh, Team Sweden, which is normally number two, number three in the world, 26-21, and that was uh, in Sweden. So congratulations to the Russians out there and uh, making an effort there. And in Guam, we had the Pacific Rim Sun Bowl this past weekend as well as the Tokyo Blaze Cats from the Japanese League uh, they win 
taking on the um, Guam um, Women's Football League Lady Falcons this past weekend, 27-0. Coming up this weekend, Ladies Bowl 24. That's going to be in Germany. It's going to be the Berlin Cobras taking on the Maine Eagles. Uh, This is a rematch. Uh, Pretty much it's a return match, I I should say. Return match for the Maine Eagles who won the Division II title in the German League. And now they're seeking a Division I title versus the historic uh, eight-time champion uh, Berlin Cobras, who are looking for a back-to-back title, winning the title last last year. So that's another eventful situation. Um, and then Gridiron Victoria uh, announces, which is great news, Gridiron Victoria this week announces uh, that the league, as of 2017, starting their 2017 campaign, which is uh, coming up in, uh, I believe, in the middle of, of the year, which is February through, I believe, April, they're going to go to 11 aside. So they, they're used to playing seven or nine aside. Now they're going, to, they're going to play basically traditional NFL full kit, NCAA full kit, uh, 11 of sides. So great news there, right, Troy? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I mean, I just running off, um, you know, the long list of international play that we have going on. I mean, you tell me you didn't get a little bit excited hearing a football game being called a, in a British accent. It still just remains remarkable to me to see how much the game is is starting to get, you know, pushed around the globe and, and to see the popularity explode. I still am amazed by all of that. You can catch that um, actual uh, – it's on our link on our uh, uh, Twitter feed as well as on our link on our Facebook page, uh, the IFAB Europe Women's Friendly, Great British Lions versus Team Spain. And you can uh, – courtesy of Double Coverage out of London. So thank you to them for helping us out this weekend and actually bringing that to you um, so you can replay it. Uh, go to our timeline on Twitter or on Facebook, and you can watch an amazing game there, as well as Ruth Mata with her uh, almost four touchdowns. I believe it was four touchdowns in the uh, in the event, and she, she played an amazing game, run game, sort of a la uh, Matt Forte in a lot of ways. She's pretty smooth and pretty slick. Um, so congratulations to the British girls who continue their climb in the international scene. Um, not so long ago, they had won the European Championship. I mean, uh, they had qualified for the European Championship, and they finished – uh, second um, in in the competition. So uh, congratulations to them. They're evolving. And this time their crew didn't consist of that team that won in the Europe Championship. They actually had a, a little bit more rookies, but blended in with some of, some of the veterans. Team Spain, like I said, still growing, still evolving, playing hard. Um, so they, they know what they have to do. They, they, you know, they got work to do. Uh, but this is really good for them because this is sort of a, a test outside of their waters and their normal uh, team club scene. Um, and that's how you get better, right, Tori? I mean, when you when you play competition outside your comfort zone. Yeah, still sharp and steel. So whenever you can play against good competition, it always bodes well for your team to get them better because, you know, you just the only way you can get better is to play against elite competition. I mean, that's my belief. Now, Troy, uh, the, the German League final, the Ladies uh, Ladies Bowl 24, uh, it's the 24th uh, edition of the Ladies Bowl, and you would never think that this that's been going on for literally almost 24 years. But the German uh, the German League and the Ladies League, it's uh, two divisions. The Division One title will be contested this coming weekend, the, the 24th, as the historic, um, you know, Berlin Cobras. They will go for they had won seven in a row before uh, 2014. And that's the only year they've lost in, in the existence. And now they're going for uh, basically uh, back-to-back titles, 
2015 and now in 2016, which would, if they win it, if they win against the Maine Eagles this past, this coming weekend, they will uh, basically put themselves in, you know, already in a historic format, but it, it would be the ninth title in league history. So they've only, the, the, the league's been around for almost 10 years. They would be the only team to own basically all the hardware besides one season <laughs> or two seasons, I believe. So it, very impressive in terms of coaching staff, very impressive in terms of devotion, uh, organization. Uh, so we got to give, you know, the Berlin Cobras hats off to them for uh, having a consistent uh, competitive club that competes year in, year out for a title. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you excellence. That's what, that's what you look for. You look for dominance in the sport. And, you know, when you have that, every, everyone else in the league kind of looks up to them and they kind of need to take that kind of blueprint to, you know, to aspire to get to the status. And you would like to see a little bit more competition amongst the teams uh, that, that adds to parity. Uh, so, you know, you just don't want some people getting bored with it. Like, uh, you know, you're starting to get complacent as far as, you know, what teams are likely to usually win all the time. So you would like to see a little bit of parity, but that, but again, hats off to the Berlin Covers for being as dominant as they are because they, they they go ahead and, and, and they put in a lot of effort to, to be that excellent squad that they are. Now, when we talk about Maine's Eagles, um, you know, we don't have that so much in, in college football, but we don't have it so much. But you do have it in soccer, uh, and sometimes you have it in some realms of other sports. But when you talk about Maine's Eagles, last year they played in Division Two, which is considered basically a, a lower level of competition in terms of the league, into the Bedenza League, which is the AFFD League, uh, the Ladies Football League in Germany. So what they did is, based on winning the championship last year, they were bumped to the number one division. And now this is, this is a credit to them because, you know, ever, sometimes people claim, oh, you, you, want the lower, you won the lower division, um, and then all of a sudden you get bumped and you pretty much, you know, either end up last or you end up in the bottom of the barrel, you know what I mean, because the competition is way different. But you got to give this this team credit. They they came up to Division One, and now they're going to face probably the best team in in the league history. And now they're going to face probably the best team, well, the best team in the season. So you know, as a competitor, Troy, I mean, the Maine's Eagles they got to feel really good about having a shot to maybe win this weekend. Yeah, because that's all you can ask for. I mean, any kind of sport, all you want to do is get a get a shot at the title. And you see that, especially you, you typically see things like that in boxing, where you see guys move up from uh, the amateur ranks to the professional ranks, and they kind of move their way up, and you know they knock enough people down and open up a few eyes, and now all of a sudden you get a shot at the title, and that's what that's what Maine is looking at now, um, you know, to to be that type of team that they just wanted to get a shot, and now that they're there, they have to take advantage of it. Yeah, it's just so it's exciting times in Germany. Uh, awesome, awesome two friendlies, or three friendlies. We had one, in, obviously, in, in uh, London. We had the other one, obviously, in Sweden. And we had the, the uh, in, in the island of Guam. So, International Women's Gridiron. And I want to thank everybody that networks with us. We really appreciate the feedback. Thanks to Double Coverage, uh, also to End Run Productions for doing their amazing job on the, uh, the, great, uh, the great British Lions versus Team Spain coverage at the um, – at the Euro qualifying uh, championships for the men's and then the women's it wasn't a qualifier, but basically it was just a display of great football by the women on there. So uh, once again, shout out to Enron Productions and as well as Double Coverage. And you can catch that at doublecoverage.com. You can go to YouTube 
and uh, look up double coverage, DBL coverage. Subscribe to their channel, and you get the you can get to watch the uh, European Women's Friendly, British Great British Lions versus Team Spain. You can also go to our like I said our Twitter feed and our Facebook page to get the link to the feed and to the video there. So um, the other events we'll run through here before we start talking college football, and we'll start diving into NFL Week Two and getting into that mode. Um, so the other thing that's going on here is besides the uh, the great announcement that Great Iron Victoria is going to go to 11, uh, 11 aside, which prepares them as the front runners at this point to the IFAB World Championships in 2017 because if their competition is going to be 11 aside, they're probably going to have a leg up on Great Iron Queensland. They'll have a leg up on pretty much the rest of the um, organizations that are in Australia. But hats off to them for being the first ones to commit to an 11 aside, which is difficult to do, Troy, because – when you go to 11 aside, you really have to commit to about a 40 to 50 man roster, which on a seven or nine aside, you really only have to commit to 30. So it's a big uh, commitment by them as well as a recruiting issue because it could get to a point where you don't get enough bodies to sustain the 11 and the side. So in, in your experience in the past, how have teams um, – have, have teams been pretty successful as far as doing that when they make that move up? Because, I mean, as you said, that is a challenge for them. And, you know, trying to get, um, you know, some some ladies who may have not been exposed to that game, how hard is it for them to recruit to get those teams, to, to get players in there for those teams? I mean, as far as I'm told, uh, in, in, uh, in Australia, it's really a hotbed right now. Women really want to try out for the sport. And I don't think Gridiron Victoria would have made the commitment if they didn't under, if they didn't know that their numbers are there. So the question really, uh, it's the, the sport down there has been played seven aside or even nine aside. So it's been traditional to play seven or nine, which I think the only reason they were playing seven and nine is because of the fact that there was lack of numbers, lack of interest. So that that's a starting point. So that that makes sense, right? To to go to seven or nine, and because uh, because you don't have the numbers. But to commit to 11, right. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking now they have such a buzz and such an interest, and maybe you're having a lot of girls and women come up. And a lot of the girls that you're talking about here that convert to gridiron or American football, in this sense, come from the rugby, um, rugby realm in terms of Australia. So maybe they're getting an influx of a lot of rugby players that are wanting to convert over. Uh, you know, Jen Welker was one of those that converted from rugby to football. So in Australia, it's, it's not uncommon to have maybe, uh, you know, a rugby players try, try out American football. So I'm thinking maybe in Victoria, in that southern level of, of the country, which is in Melbourne, um, they have those numbers. So that's the reason that they've decided to go with the 11 aside on the women's draw, which is, which, like I said, it's very impressive, very, very uh, front running. So we got to give them, you know, a shout out for them to uh, make the commitment there and, a shout out to the women that really want to commit to playing on that on the team, and so um, you know it's it's just just it's great news. In other words, to have finally for them to reach NCAA uh, regular NFL style eleven on eleven uh, you know man uh, coverage uh, in terms of the sport is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just I mean as you said, to move up and and then you get a chance to play with the quote unquote big boys. That's what you want to have also. So, you know, hats off to them for, for, for actually making that jump. And I think they'll probably equip themselves pretty well. I just can't wait to see how they adjust to, you know, going from, you know, from the different numbers games. 
Yeah, and the good thing about this is it really helps uh, not just uh, Great Down Victoria, but Great Down Queensland, Great Down Act, all the other organizations in Australia. It, once they get to the level of 11, it really helps them because once they go to the IFAB World Championships, the game is played 11 on 11 internationally. So technically, you're building up to be competitive on the international stage, which um, they're going to they're basically recruit Great Down Australia, the Outback women's team that we are supporting uh, on our um, Zazzle shop. So you can go to our Zazzle shop and get uh, any type of shirt on the chuck line shirt. Look at the tab. It says um, for the women's gridiron in Australia. You, uh, you buy any shirt there. Uh, the $3 that we normally make a profit on would go donate it to the Outback team. You can use the code um, ordership 10 save 10%, or you can use any other code that is higher than 10% on the website to take advantage of the sales. So uh, we want to just let everybody know about that. We are supporting the women's Outback team. Uh, they have supported us since day one, since we started the project. Uh, they've been very committed to us. They're very loyal, and all we can do is give back. So this is one of the way, one of the ways we can give back. So congratulations to Gridiron Victoria for announcing their 11 and a side commitment in 2017. Um, the recap, uh, Gridiron Queensland recap and um, and scores. So we'll get those uh, up and running here. Um, you have them on Twitter. If you go to Twitter, um, you can go and get the scores from this past weekend. Uh, it, it was exciting to see it. Uh, at this point, the Jets and the Great Iron Stingrays, um, which is Lauren, uh, Christy Moran and uh, Lauren Evans, are two joke no football supporters, as well as the other no-joke football supporters in Australia. Uh, but more so in Queensland, the Jets and Stingrays are basically top-notch right now. They're undefeated 4-0. And we'll get uh, the previews for this upcoming week on our Facebook page. So you can go to facebook.com. Uh, forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can check out our previews there for the upcoming week in Gridiron Queensland. Plus the standings, you can go to Gridiron Queensland. Uh, on You can search Gridiron Queensland, or you can go to their Facebook page at Gridiron Queensland as well. Gridiron New South Wales has a new website you can go to. It's revitalized.com, revitalized.com.au, NSW. So our link is over on Twitter and on Facebook. You can follow them as well. And this, this coming weekend, the 24th, you got UTS Gators taking on the champion UNSW Raiders. The Raiders coming off a 64-0 Week 2 win. Week 1 is actually forfeited by everybody because of some, some field conditions. So Week 2 was the official win. Everybody got a draw or, you know, a tie per se. Uh, the Gators are trying to bounce back from a 20-8 loss in Week 3. So it should be a good one. So it's going to be on the 24th as well. And so that's pretty much up to date on the women's game. Anything that else that comes up, you can check our Twitter feed at Gridiron Beauty, or you can always go to Facebook at Gridiron Beauties. So, uh, Troy, that's it. That's the women's scale and the women's game. Uh, international, awesome excitement that happened this past weekend. Uh, and before we go, uh, LFLUS.com. You can go and get the latest information on tryouts in the off season. You can also go to WFAFootball.net, IWFL. Um, IWFLsports.com you can get all the information during the off season in terms of teams when they're practicing how you can register and be part of those leagues so that will also be on our Twitter feed as well and LFLUS.com their tryouts will begin December through February for the new season coming up in the next uh, spring so uh, check it out as well so um, Troy uh, Patriots let's start there Patriots Garofalo gets a uh, nice shoulder slammed, and uh, all of a sudden 
Uh, they're out of quarterback. We go to third-string quarterback, and somehow they still pull out a win. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Belichick just, you know, just, I don't know. You, you just can't beat this guy. <laughs> I mean, you could have you put in the water boy in there. Listen, he is the absolute best coach in the NFL. I know people hate him. They only hate him because he wins. If he were, you know, any other garbage coach and, you know, barely winning and, you know, like my coach, uh, nobody would care. But this, all he does is get his team prepared to win football games. And now they may end up going into this Thursday game against the Texans uh, with Jacoby Brissett. He's a third-round pick out of North Carolina State. He's a big kid, just raw as you can get. But it, I would not be surprised if they win this game. Now, the Texans, they're 2-0. They've started off hot. They got a great defense over there with J.J. Watt running around. Clowney looks rejuvenated. Um, you know, their defensive backs, they're, they're ball hawking. They're playing really well. Uh, they beat the Dolphins last week, 31-24. But, listen, this is Bill Belichick. I mean, this is, this is a whole different animal. I would not be surprised if when the Texans go up to Foxborough, they end up getting throttled up there. I mean, because this guy can just flat-out coach. And then they also have Rob Gronkowski that's coming back this week, possibly. Um, his hamstring is starting to feel better. I will not bet against Bill Belichick ever again. Uh, honestly, I've changed my mind. I think I, I'm going to go ahead and get the New England Patriots in. Right now is my Super Bowl pick. You can go ahead and pencil him in right now. I'm just, I'm just so not even a, surprised anymore. It's like uh, – it's like when I heard he went down, and then I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, who else is on the uh, on the slate? And then you see this kid just perform no different than Brady and uh, Garofalo was performing. Very comfortable in the pocket, uh, you know, a rollout very nicely, uh, you know, nailing his targets. Uh, very, I mean, you, like I said, you got to give Bill credit. He, he he understands the dynamics of the next man up. And everybody that's next man up understands what their role is to be to play in that role. I mean, he has to manage – at this point, he has to manage the game that way. He managed it perfectly in, the, in a balanced state. And now you have, you know, Tom Brady is not coming back for, what, another week or two? And you got this team – when Brady shows up, it might be 4-0. and And so it's like you started the season week one with Brady. It's, I mean, it's just impressive. I just, I mean, if you are a fan of football, how can you be upset with, with, how can you hate the Patriots? You have to watch them and watch how they prepare. I would love to just be in the room when this guy is coaching up his team. I mean, because you're looking at, you you, you just want to be a part of greatness. And you see, you I just want to see how he gets his team prepared to see what the difference is. Because it seems to me like there are a lot of teams in the NFL that are completely undisciplined. They don't do their jobs. Everyone is kind of just, you know, making all kind of mistakes. But this guy does not tolerate that. His team may not like him as a person. I mean, but, you know, but they respect him. And that's all you can ask for because you're in this business of winning football games. I just don't understand why. I mean, I do to to a certain extent because most people, they, they you know, most people root for the underdogs. But if you're a fan of the football game, how can you look at Bill Belichick and say, you know, I just don't like the guy. I just don't get I, – I love Bill Belichick. I love listening to his press conferences. I love listening to the stories about how he coaches. 
I just love the way his approach to the game. I mean, you got to appreciate this guy. People won't appreciate him until he's gone and retired. And then they'll look back and see what kind of greatness they had. And, and instead of appreciating it, a lot of people are just hating it right now. And you got, if you go back in history, this guy started in Cleveland, which he didn't have the greatest seasons to begin with. And now he's like, you know, an icon. I mean, you, you have to just, like you said, tip your hat off because he's done it through injuries, through, uh, you know, crisis and everything else. I mean, uh, the only heartbroken season for him was when, when they almost went per, uh, almost had their perfect season and they just lost in the Super Bowl. But other than that, I mean, I would have this – I would take this guy in, in L.A. in a heartbeat versus the doofus head over here, Fisher. You know what I mean? It's just it's ridiculous. It's just the way it is. It's just impressive. It's very impressive. Um, and Miami came pretty close in the last quarter to kind of put it together, but it was a little too late. And you got to give credit, like I said, to them for putting the third-string quarterback in there and still coming up with the win, uh, 31-24 in that aspect of it. Um, my Rams win, Troy, 9-3. to I, I, I should just eat my words now because I, I just thought they were going to get spanked. But what happens to Seattle? This is the big news this week. Where is Seattle? It's just, you know, uh, I, I heard they got fined for apparently excessive off-season workouts. Too brutal. I mean, is this a joke or what? I mean, this is football. And uh, ever since the NFL and the NFLPA decided to go soft in terms of training and execution, we can start to see a lot of the on-game play, how things, like you said, are getting sloppy. You know, penalties are excessive. There's just a lot of stuff that obviously you can, you can see game to game that you didn't see probably two or three years ago before this arrangement was made. So, is is it a factor at this point? I mean, they get they get fined for that, and then they get a draft pick taken away or whatever. So, I mean, is this excessive by the league? I mean, or or is this the NFLPA's mistake? Well, this is not the first time that Seattle's been caught doing this. This is a habitual thing for Seattle. So, I think this is going along the lines of how many times are you going to do it? And I think Seattle's gotten to the point where they just figure, you know, we'll just go ahead and do it and. Maybe there wasn't a precedent for it, but then for, for them to lose a fifth-round draft pick and and also uh, Sneaky Pete Carroll. I love Sneaky Pete. Um, but he, he got, you know, fined $400,000. And, um, yeah, I, I just think with them, it's, this has happened before where I believe it was another offseason where um, they were fined for hitting. And they're not allowed to hit during, uh, you know, training camp. So this is a habitual thing for them. Now, their slide is very inconsistent. They're one and one. Who would have thought everybody in the West would be like literally one and one? It's just besides the Niners, of course, who uh, we all knew that they weren't going to be competitive against the Panthers. I mean, uh, anybody could see that coming from a mile away. Um, the Rams, I just not, I mean, defensively, you know, hats off to them defensively. I, it's my team. I, I love my team. But, you know, hats off. They played a defensive game. The offense still atrocious. So the, the, the factor here was the Rams, once again, contain Wilson in an A-man front, you know, club up the box there, don't allow him. And obviously he had an injury with an ankle, not, not as mobile as he should be. But the reality is this game was won on defense alone. So, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. This coach in Los Angeles gets a three-year extension. Can I vomit now? I'm vomiting right now. You get a bucket right next to me. <laughs> this is pathetic. 
I mean, come on. So, you know, I, I went on my Facebook page and said, if this guy doesn't get us to the playoffs, he should be canned at the end of the season. Because with the three-year extension, his ass better go deep in the playoffs. And the way it looks right now, he ain't going deep nowhere except for the crapper in some nearby bathroom. I'm just like, come on, man. The defense, you, you cannot – I mean, you win championships with defense, but you, cause you still have to have a balanced offense. Is that, I mean, that's the, the basis for it. And if you don't have a balanced offense, you're killing your defense. And they're only going to last, what, six weeks, eight weeks at the most? The remaining, the rest of the season, they're going to be just burned out. I don't understand this guy. Three field goals. Last week, Troy, I'm mad right now. Last week, our damn punter gets the game ball. And this week, our kicker gets the game ball. Are we making progression in Los Angeles? This is just pathetic. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can't speak to why uh, the Rams would sign him or the general manager to extensions. I just, I'm at a loss with that. I guess the only thing I can come up with is that um, recently uh, uh, a poll came out as far as the most uh, lucrative franchises, and the Rams made a huge jump uh, just from moving from St. Louis now to Los Angeles. And now they're, you know, they've, they're, I guess they were up maybe like by a billion dollars, I guess right now. So, I mean, it's, I guess, you know, Stan Kroenke's looking at it like, you know, what difference does it make? I'm still making money hand over fist. I might as well stay with the guy, stay the course with the guy. And then he also may be looking at um, about, at Cincinnati, where you have Marvin Lewis out there, who rough beginning, rough beginnings out there. But, you know, uh, the Brown family kind of stayed the course. And now they're, you know, they're a pretty formidable franchise right now. Now they haven't won playoff games, but I think we all feel like they're on the cusp. They had a little bit of bad luck. And maybe he feels like, you know, a lot of teams around the NFL kind of easily get rid of their coaches. I mean, if you look up in in Chicago, um, Chicago's had, what now, uh, five offensive coordinators, four head coaches in the past seven years. I mean, that's not – yeah, yeah, Tressman. You look he had Tressman before Fox. Right. Tressman before Fox. So yeah. You had Lovey Smith. You know, I mean, so it, it's not looking good up there right now. And you also look at a team like the Redskins, who constantly are trying to be, you know, uh, trying to get a coach in there to, to stabilize that franchise, and they've made one bad hire after another, with the exception of bringing Joe Gibbs back. Um, so I guess he's looking around like, well, why? dump this guy now might as well just go ahead and stay the course especially since it's not like I'm losing money off of this right now so maybe things will change I mean some some franchise owners they get they get impatient and they want to win now and they get you know uh, get all upset and start firing people but maybe Stan Kroenke wants to stay the course I do like the fact that he's kind of not been in the limelight or making statements and things like that and you know, you don't want your owner being like that, you know, the Jerry Jones type and Dan Snyder type. He's doing what he's supposed to do, which he's a businessman. He's he's running that franchise, and he's making the money. So he wants to go ahead and let these guys handle things on the field. So you got to tip your hat to that one. Still don't understand how they haven't fired this guy. I would have fired him th- three years ago, but, you know, who, who am I? All I can tell you is 
He's nine wins away from being the, the lousiest coach in NFL history. Nine losing. He loses wow. nine more games. He will be the, he will be the, the worst NFL coach in NFL history. <laughs> that just tells you something like that. Yeah. Okay. 157 well, I mean, I... losses. And he's nine, nine, uh, nine losses away. He could probably get it this year. You never know. By the end of the year, if he doesn't make the playoffs, he'll get that nice prize at the end of the year going, you're the loser of losers in NFL history. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Break open the cake and bring in the Heineken because we're, we're pouting on that. Yeah. Come on. Well, I mean, Anyways, at, at, least they didn't my... go, at least I didn't go 0-16 like the Detroit Lions did, and my franchise, in their infinite wisdom, decided to hire the defensive coordinator from that winless team the only winless team in history. Oh, yeah, yeah. And instead of hiring Wade Phillips, who won the Super Bowl last year as a great defensive coordinator, they decided to hire Joe Barry, the guy who led that Detroit defense to an 0-16 record. Congratulations, Dan Snyder and Jay Gruden. Thank you. I appreciate that, fellas. And unfortunately, we don't have Nkishi here, but I'm pretty sure she's either happy and gloating or, you know, Probably on an ice cream bowl right now. Happy and, and gloomy. 27-23, your Redskins fall. 0-2. Uh, not too bad of a game, uh, you know, but you you, you got to be impressed. We talked about Prescott, and it seems like this kid's the real deal. Well, anyone can look like the real deal against the worst defense in the NFL, which is the Redskins. So uh, I, while I do got, have to applaud him for making the plays when he had to, he really wasn't up against much. I mean, he didn't have to face too much of a pass rush. I don't even know how he sacked him uh, three times with that with our defense. But you got to take your hats off to him. I mean, the guy's balling out of control right now. But you saw that in the preseason. Uh, he just seemed to be able to come alive and take care of his business and go about things looking like a veteran. So Dak Prescott, Mississippi State quarterback, he kind of dropped a little bit in the draft from some off-the-field issues. But he's definitely acquitted himself, and, and, and a lot of GMs right now are kicking themselves because right now quarterbacks are at a premium in the NFL. If you look around the league, there are several teams right now who either have injured quarterbacks or inadequate quarterbacks, and they would love to have this guy on the roster. So Dallas is definitely uh, reaping the benefits of that. Now, uh, we talk about that East right now. Uh, the Cowboys obviously 1-1. One one. You guys are 0-2. The Giants – and we had talked about it at the beginning of the year, even with Nkishi, how this – and you said it, that this is kind of a surprising team, new coach. Uh, we, we talked about how, you know, uh, Victor Cruz would come back. And so right now the Giants are 2-0 and in that division. They edge uh, the Saints. Uh, the Saints just keep stumbling with themselves. I mean, they got really good – I mean, Breeze to Cook to – you know, it's just it just seems like they're just missing out. You know, I mean, they're late surge in the fourth, just not enough to overcome the Giants. But uh, what do you think of the Giants right now? The Giants right now, the biggest difference with them is is their defense. I mean, they spent a lot of money on their defense. I think it was something at the the tune of $200 million total contract value on the defense. They have adjusted defensive line with Olivier Vernon. Um, You also had some – they stole your cornerback from uh, St. Louis. Gave him a pretty big deal. Um, and I just, you know, I'm surprised that they're playing as well as they are because I just didn't think that they would gel that quickly. 
But you got to take your hats off to them because they held a, a team and the, the New Orleans Saints who were very explosive on offense, and they held that team to 13 points. So the Giants right now are really playing well. With the, the, the thing that I was actually concerned about is it seems to be that the offense is struggling a little bit, which you would have thought initially would have been their strong suit. The teams are, are, are kind of bending their coverage over to Odell Beckham but that right now is allowing their rookie Sterling Shepard from Oklahoma, uh, that they're around draft pick. And I, when he was coming out of college, I I just felt like whoever got this kid was really going to get a fine because he is just that fine of a route runner. He had his first 100-yard game. So they are spreading the ball around a little bit because teams just don't want Odell back on the beat them. But you have to look at that defense led by uh, Steve Spagnola, and he's he's got those guys running. So, you know, we'll see if they can keep that up. I mean, this is the week two, but right now they're, they, their defense looks really good. And you have a, a great offense in that aspect as you're talking because you got Shepard there. Uh, you got the uh, the return of Victor Cruz. You got OJ on the other side. So, you know, as a, you know, as a competitor or a defensive unit, uh, you really have to worry about three talented uh, individuals, not including your, you know, the tight end that they have there, but, so uh, New York, if they can get it together offensively, they have the potential to put up some good some good points. Yeah, I mean, and that's they're just waiting for that breakout game. And so uh, you know, this week, oh man, the Giants they they have the Redskins coming in. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you look for that offense to come alive this week. I, I'm not I'm not happy right now. I'm really not happy with my so team. So Troy. Troy uh, Troy, you're in the same boat I am right now. You're sort of uh, on your knees and just questioning how the world can crush us like this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, pretty much. Sad. Yeah. All righty, Kishi. <laughs> enjoy your enjoy your win, as they say. Oh man. Enjoy your win. I'm pretty sure she was here. You know, that she'd she'd be the bullhorn of all of it right yeah. now, just telling you. And I would deserve. life I would deserve. Rosie in Dallas. <laughs> oh That's my right. God! But I had to talk to you, girl, because. Your Cowboys actually, you know, get the win. So they're one and one. Uh, their quarterback's doing well in that sense. So we got to give her, you know, props for that. Um, let's go to Thursday right now. So we got Texans who take care of the Chiefs. They edge the sheep of the Chiefs 19 to 12. So 2 and 0 Texans. Uh, Osweiler uh, was the big story coming out of Denver with the big money. He's played pretty decent. Uh, not great, but decent enough. They got some playmakers there now that they're really working the offense in that sense. Obviously, the defense has always been there, and you know JJ Watson contributed. So three and zero, you think after Thursday at this point for for Texans? No, because they're going to play the Patriots, and now the the, the Houston Texans they definitely have more firepower on offense. I mean, the biggest surprise, not necessarily a surprise to many, but Will Fuller, the rookie wide receiver out of Notre Dame. This guy is making a huge, huge impact with DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. Teams are looking to, to cover him, but Will Fuller is an absolute burner, and he is a big play guy. He's always been a big play guy, and he is definitely taking advantage of whatever opportunities that he's gotten to once, to, once he gets on the field. You're looking at a more explosive offense than they had last year, and that's all that the Texans really needed. to Just imagine if they did have – any semblance of this offense that they had this year, if they had that last year, this team would have probably gone a lot deeper in the playoffs. 
instead of, you know, getting blown out 30 to nothing at home against the Chiefs. So this team is looking to, to make a statement. Now, you also have to add into the fact that uh, this is the battle of the Bills. So, you know, one Bill used to be at the Patriots and one Bill was still at the Patriots. So, you know, <laughs> he he's going back there to, to Foxborough and he knows that team. So that may give them a little bit of a leg up. I mean, but it's still Bill Belichick. This guy will exploit your big, biggest weakness, and he will make you beat him with something else. I just really don't see them beating the Patriots. I'm just not betting against that team. So you're going with the evil empire, huh? Absolutely. All right. So you made your point at the top of the uh, at the top of the hour where uh, you you clearly did say that you're not not betting against Belichick again. So I guess you're you're on point right now. Um, <laughs> Stanford Mariota. I mean that was a pretty close game, pretty sloppy game too. It, it but the defenses on both on both sides played a big role in that game. So um, you know the Titans get the big win. And it looked like Stafford was going to turn a corner, you know, last year to this year and late last year to this year. And it always looks like this kid's going to somehow just overcome. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't put him in a uh, Aaron Rodgers status, but it just seems like he he's in and out, in and out. And he's got two good consistent weeks where he's got – and then he goes into this influx. Uh, I was very impressed with Mariota, composed, even though he made some mistakes. Other than that, I mean – he gets the win here against uh, Detroit. So, uh, I mean, what do we? What can we say about this? These two squads here. Well, I mean, they're they're both trying to adjust to a new philosophy. Um, the Detroit Lions, are, this is their first year without Calvin Johnson, so they're trying to find their go-to guy. Initially, they would have believed that it would have been Golden Tate. Golden Tate starting off, he's got a little bit of a slow um, start this year. Only had two catches for 13 yards the, the previous game, but then they bought in Marvin Jones, a free agent from Cincinnati. So he had a huge game uh, this past week. So he's kind of, they, you know, um, Stafford is going to have to spread the ball around a little bit. Now, he wasn't as efficient uh, this week as he was the previous week. And, you know, that kind of that kind of sets them back a little bit. And they, they're also not able to run the ball as much as they would like to. And on the other side, the Tennessee Titans with Marcus Mariota, very efficient football game, very, very just, you know, uh, poised and ended up having a great rating. He only had the one interception, which is his virtually, it was only mistake 25 or 33, which is a great, great um, completion percentage. And then you also have to add in the running game. They ran the ball 24 times. I would have thought they would have ran the ball a little bit more. Um, but they have, he's spreading the ball around on offense and guys are making plays for him and they're playing really, really stout on defense. So that's the biggest thing is, is that what they wanted to do was control the clock, run the football and play defense. And the, the, that game went kind of right into their hands as the type of game that they would like to play. Um, I thought Detroit would have came out with it, but Tennessee had a big fourth quarter, scored 13 points to come back to win that game. So, you know, they're, Tennessee, I'm not surprised that they're winning games. I, I just think that it, are they going to be able to sustain that? And I think they're going to have to establish an identity, and they've gone that way toward doing that with this Detroit game. Now, you know, the the Cardinals, surprising enough, uh, just tear up the Bucks, And that really shocked me because I thought Winston and company would come in and, and, you know, at least keep it close and competitive. But, man, uh, Larry Fitzgerald and uh, – Palmer there, they just they lit it up in the second quarter. There's 
almost almost 25 points, 25 unanswered through two quarters. Um, wow. So the Bucks week one win, you can pretty much say was a fluke at this point because considering the way they played and only scored, what, I think one touchdown in, in the third. Other than that, they got literally lit up. And uh, you knew Bruce Arians was not going to, uh, you know, come in at home again after getting beat that he was going to lose two in a row. It just isn't going to happen. So uh, the Cardinals yeah. really showed it's either they showed their power or did we see the Bucks really show their true colors? Well, I just think that Arizona is just a better football team. Um, you know, Arizona made it to the NFC Championship game last season. Uh, Carson Palmer just had his only bad game of the season. It seemed like last year it was most inopportune time. But this team does not – they rarely lose at home. And they had to go out to Arizona to win that game. And, you know, Tampa Bay is an up-and-coming team. But Jameis Winston is still a young quarterback. The one thing I liked about J- uh, Jameis Winston is that the interceptions didn't get him down. He kept slinging it, and he kept throwing it. He has so much confidence, and I love to see that when you when you have a young football player that goes out there and throws the ball around and he has confidence and he allows himself to make mistakes and doesn't feel like he needs to be perfect. They'll come back, and they'll do a lot better the next game. Uh, but I think that the Arizona Cardinals, are just they're just that much of a better football team. I figured they would come out and win their game. Just didn't think it would be that handily, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and that shocked me a little bit because I figured they were going to keep it a little close. But when you get tore up for, I think, almost uh, 30-something points through, through three quarters, ah, man, that was horrible to watch. It was just, you know, they were just, you know, Cardinals were just like, you know, free-for-alls type. Um I was shocked, Troy, at San Diego literally tearing up Jacksonville for three quarters. And then I was thinking, where is the Bortle show with the Hunt and Robinson? Nowhere to be found. No running game. Um, so is there, it's either the Charger defense is that good, or this Jaguar offense is just somehow was just horrible this week. Well, this team stops and starts with Phillip Rivers. He's their, un, he's, he's their leader. And they'll have injuries every single year. You always see just horrific injuries on their offensive team. Uh, you see a, her, horrible injuries on the defensive team. Last year was no exception. Uh, a lot of people were really down on San Diego. I think, uh, for, not for me. I mean, I felt like as long as they had Phillip Rivers, they had a shot. Um, they're definitely, um, you know, going to miss their receivers that have, that have been hurt this year. I mean, I just, wow. That guy, I mean, but they did get a boost from Gates. Um, You know, Gates Gates stepped up. Uh, Gordon from the week one continues to impress uh, in the running game and in the red zone particularly. So I mean, it's a credit to the 38 points that uh, it's somehow they you know they pull through. But I think I was more disappointed with yeah Melvin Gordon and and Melvin Gordon. I just felt like he was going to get it get back on track last year. He just had a tough way to to go, and then he also got hurt. But I felt like he's too good of a back to have, you know, back-to-back bad seasons. Last year was his rookie year. He just seems a lot quicker. They lost Danny Woodhead, so a lot of the pressure is going to be on Melvin Gordon to carry the load thus far. And I just think he'll be able to do that. And they also had to get Travis Benjamin out of uh, Cleveland. He had a big game, and they're going to be counting on him along the way as well. So anybody in fantasy football, that's the guy you need to pick up if if you haven't gotten him. 
so he's going to definitely put up some big points with Phillip Rivers slinging it around. But that guy will not allow his team to fall down. I mean, he is that much of a leader. Talk about confidence. As I was speaking about Jameis Winston, this guy, he just exudes confidence just all game long. He's a talker, and he is an absolute great leader. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. I think you you have to put him in the category of Dan Marino in a lot of ways. Pretty consistent, but never going to go to that ride and in deep in the playoffs. You know what I mean? It's going to be like Marino yeah, went to that one Super Bowl and that was it. So Philip Rivers, I, I I put him in the in the Dan Marino mentality, where he's a decent quarterback. He's he, you know he he has up and down weeks, but for the most part, you know if you needed a quarterback, that would be a guy you call on. You know what I mean? It's it's just if he's out there, he, you would plug him in. Um, the Ravens almost got beat by the Browns with their backup quarterback. So, I mean, what does it say about the Ravens? They, the, the, the Browns put up 20 points in the first quarter against Baltimore. That was just like well, wake-up call for Baltimore. I just think when you have a guy like Joe Flacco, and, and I've spoken about this with Jameis Winston, a guy who literally will forget the, the, the last play and continue to go on. I love the way Joe Flacco handles himself, the mentality that he has at the quarterback position. This guy is just, he's unflappable. He's Joe Cool. I mean, that's the guy you call Joe Cool. So his team is down 20-2 to two in the first quarter, and they come all the way back to win that game. Yes, the Browns are a bad team. Yes, they, they're going to have some problems going forward, but they the Browns should start it off, and they should have won that game. But you got to take your hats off to Baltimore for adjusting to whatever the Cleveland Browns were doing. They stopped giving up the big plays. It also didn't, uh, it didn't hurt them that Josh McCown was hurt in that game. He did come back, but I don't think he's coming back next week. Um, so you, Baltimore is, is a tough team. And they have great leadership at the coaching position and also at the quarterback position. So they can they can go far with that team. And they don't they didn't look very impressive last year because and they also had a lot of injuries last year as well. But I just think Baltimore is one of those teams that's flying under the radar, especially in that loaded um, NFC. Um, excuse me, the AFC North. So I want to remind everybody you can follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. You can follow us on Facebook at Gridiron Beauties. You can follow Troy at Troy Wilson underscore one for all the college football, NCAA, NFL game day. Um, so we're all over it on the social media sites. And you can always go to our Zazzle shop at Zazzle.com for slash Great Iron Beauties. You can support the women's uh, Great Iron Australia Outback women's team. Every purchase of the Chalkline T-shirts uh, will go towards uh, their fundraiser, towards the 2017 IFAB World championships so um and then you can also get our podcast at ultimate sports.com you can go there also and get wwe nfl nba and every other major sports news at ultimate um troy the broncos um they keep rolling uh the colts gave them a little bit of a scare but their defense comes through once again andrew luck with some mistakes there played really gritty um, but overall, um, what, how do you see Denver right now uh, through two weeks? Are you there, Troy? See, 
going to bring Troy back in. Troy, are you there? All right. I don't know if we lost connection on there. Can you hear me now, Troy? All right. Let me see what happened here. Uh, we were talking. So we'll see if it turns out. Troy, uh, can you hear me now? Okay, he dropped off. Should be coming back in a second here. So let's see if we get to it here. But um, overall, we got the Raiders and the Falcons. So uh, the Raiders, you know, they they get the Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan and company, and they went they went 35-28, and it was basically a game of, you know, it started off pretty well for the Raiders, and then all of a sudden it ran off, and so the Falcons end up getting to that point where they they pull it off and they win. Um, so 35-28 is the win there. The Colts get beat 34-20 to with Broncos. Uh, so the Broncos, like I was just telling him right now, uh, Troy, it was impressive for two weeks. They've had their defensive stops. They've done well in that aspect of it. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, they, they're pulling it together. They're, they're probably the best team right now in the AFC West and in the AFC alone, uh, besides the Patriots, of course. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out this coming week. Uh, Andrew Luck was one of those players that, um, you know, you always count on, but it just seemed like they couldn't pull it together at this point towards the end there, um, too little too late in that aspect of it. Um, so I, I'm thinking, you know, uh, Andrew Luck should get better, but uh, given what they've done against Denver, the Denver defense really stood out at this point. So um, looking at that, uh, Troy, so we were talking about Denver. I know you guys kind of dropped off there for a little bit. Um, are you back? I'm here. All yeah, right, cool, um, no problem. I mean, um, Denver, Denver is the type of team that is completely built to stop a team like Indianapolis. Indianapolis doesn't run the ball very well. And with the Denver Broncos secondary and their pass rush, that's a tough team for Indianapolis to beat. Um They've done well against them in the past, but not the way uh, they're set up right now. So Andrew Luck is still trying to get back from, you know, the injury that he had last year. He did not look good against this Denver uh, team. So I mean, they're 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 struggling a little bit. So they're starting off 0 and 2, and you know you have to the first person that you have to look at is, is a little bit is Andrew Luck and him not coming up you know, big against the Lions in the first week and then the Broncos in the second week. So you have to wonder, is he is he gonna be on the slide? Is he going to is he going to be the Andrew Luck that you saw two years ago? I mean he looked really good against the Lions. Lions doesn't have necessarily the best defense, but he looked extremely efficient and explosive. But, I mean, you know, with Denver, I mean, you, you kind of have to expect that. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how Indianapolis goes, you know, uh, uh, coming up this next week where they have to go um, and they're playing the Chargers at home. So I just want to see how he plays against that team as well because the Chargers are kind of revving a little bit hot right now too. So definitely want to see how they play. Yeah, San Diego's, I mean, like I said, San Diego's pretty outstanding. Um, just didn't understand why Jacksonville didn't show up. But uh, other than that, they they played a good week one and obviously impressive in week two. So 
Um, let's talk New York Jets. Uh, Fitzpatrick, you got Marshall, Decker. Uh, if you were in fantasy and if you're playing fantasy, congratulations to you because if you chose the Jets this past week in fantasy, you probably won some big bunny and you probably won your, your, your weekly match as well. So 37-31, we knew it was going to be a close game. We had talked about it last week, how, you know, it was going to be uh, Taylor up against the Jets and Rex Ryan against the Jets. And so um, it was pretty close for a couple quarters, and then they, the Jets sort of uh, just edge out. It's not like they won right out, but they start out late, and then Marshall at one point was going was uh, in and out. So um, your thoughts on Jets and Bills right now? It was a shootout, and I was surprised. I mean, because both teams – Come in under the um, you know the, the the mantra that they're they're defensive teams first. Um, Fitzpatrick had an incredible year last year, and he looks like he's he's back in that form at least in this game. Matt Forte, hundred yard rush, hundred hundred yards rushing, uh, three touchdowns, huge game for him. But the passing game is what impressed me. I mean, these guys almost had three guys that almost that, that had a hundred yards. If Quincy Anunwa had uh, eight more yards, which is which is phenomenal. He came out of nowhere. I mean, this guy, he was in the first quarter, he was balling. You know, he was catching everything. Just just a great catch radius. So their future bodes well. They definitely dodged a bullet with Brandon Marshall because I saw the play where he got injured in the second quarter, I believe, and I thought he was done for the season. He fell down. He kind of fell awkward, was tackled awkward, grabbed his knee. The guy came back in there five minutes later, and he didn't miss a beat. So I was definitely impressed with their offense. Their defense definitely needs some work. But all the talent that they have on that defensive line with Sheldon Richardson and Leonard Williams and Muhammad Wilkerson, you got Darrell Revis, who has definitely lost a step. I mean, he was absolutely torched by Marquise Goodwin in that uh, second quarter right over the top. You know, you typically don't see Revis get beat once in the season. He's been torched two weeks in a row. And so you have to sit back and say, is, is Revis uh, on a downslide? You definitely have to say that. But you'll see how he puts himself the next few weeks. But the Jets, they came out with a big win. I was just surprised that the Bills, after having Tyrod Taylor develop the way he did the past two seasons, why you go ahead and fire Greg Roman and use him as the fall guy for Rex Ryan. Now, Greg Roman, if everyone remembers, he was also the offensive coordinator in San Francisco when they had Colin Kaepernick on his best years. And so when and, and Colin Kaepernick is now not one of the better quarterbacks, but Greg Roman had this guy going. He also had Tyrod Taylor going, very underrated as a quarterback developer. I'm sad to see that guy go. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it, it was just a weird circumstance for the Buffalo Bills organization. Now, is the best team in Carolina right now in your eyes? I mean, is it, are we seeing the best team right now, or is it just the fact that they're above their, their first two weeks? They they take on the Niners, and the Niners pretty much put up the same points they put up against the Rams, and we know what the Rams are all about at this point. Um, so they put up 46, and so the MVP, you know, starts to, uh, you know, put himself together here. They, they have a good nucleus, but – uh, the Panthers at this point, are you gauging them on next the next coming weeks, or uh, are you so far impressed with their, uh, you know, with their, you know, they're one and one, so it's not like they're undefeated at this point. But do you see them at this that's point a, going up now? Well, that's a, that's a big team. 
That's a big, big team. I mean, just looking at what they have at the wide receiver position with Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, both of these guys are 6'4", you know, 245 pounds apiece. And then you got Greg Olson. He's the same size as these guys. Take in, can take the top off. And then you also got that, that tank that they have back there, quarterback Cam Newton. That's scary on offense. And then that defense, you already know that they can light it up. I was actually surprised that San Francisco scored the way that they did with 27 points. Um, but you know what? I, I, I don't think Carolina is the best team. I just think I think Carolina is definitely in the top two, maybe top three teams in the NFL. I just think right now the best team, I would say, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they don't even have all their guns yet. But these guys just come out and they just win football games. So I would say the best team. Yeah, D'Angelo Williams, is, Williams is very impressive. Um, you got, I got I to give you that. I mean, uh, and Antonio Brown had an off week last week, uh, but he was covered pretty well. So it wasn't like he wasn't able to get, but they, you know, they ended up covering him pretty well. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you could, I probably have to put the Steelers up there right now at this point. I mean, they played pretty well. Um, the home opener, did you anticipate, uh, I thought Bradshaw had potential, but did you really anticipate Bradshaw to play this good and take these, take these Vikings? And then obviously, uh, we, we get a, a, a horrible news here in mid-game where uh, Adrian Peterson goes out with the ankle sprain or the knee sprain um, um, that he, he that he pretty much had. But overall, Diggs and Bradshaw, what a combo. Yeah, I mean, Stephon Diggs, uh, wide receiver out of Maryland, he's a six-round pick. I wish the Redskins would pick him up. I saw this guy play a lot during the week. He's always on local TV. And I was just wondering, I mean, he did have injury concerns coming out of college, so that's why he dropped the way that he did. But this dude is absolutely dynamic. He He's going to be a star. He's going to be an absolute star because he runs great routes. He has that great speed. He runs about a 4-3 and a 40. He's with Cordero. He's what they would have wished Cordero Patterson would have turned into. Uh, but he is absolutely lights out. Sam Bradford comes in two weeks of practice, and, and shows up and does that to a pretty good Green Bay defense. You got to – Troy, did you see Aaron Rodgers' – did you see Aaron Rodgers' face? That, that told the whole oh, story. Yeah. They, they were shut Listen, out for two quarters. They were only allowed two Aaron, scores. Aaron Rodgers is frustrated right now. He's frustrated. And, and you know, I know they had issues with Josh sitting at their, their guard that they have there, and now he's, he's playing for the Bears. But this team was having a hard time blocking people before that. And so now you've added to to, to his, his misery by taking away another offensive lineman. And this is a, 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 a this is a thing that goes on every year. They usually have a, a pretty much of a sieve of offensive line, so I was surprised that they let that, let him go. But he's going to have a tough time. I mean, if you look at it, his numbers dipped last season. I still felt like he was the best quarterback in the game. But this year, man, he's definitely having a tough time, even with Jordy Nelson back. He's playing pretty well. So just going forward, how is Green Bay going to fix their ails with that, that blocking at the offensive line that they have? And their wide receivers are going to definitely have to get open. Jordy Nelson may have lost a step. He's not taking the top off like he used to. Randall Cobb is still just a possession receiver. He showed last season he's not necessarily a number one, although they talked about injuries too. So – Going forward, how's that usually prolific offense going to step up? They're going to need some young, new blood on that team, and they really haven't added to that over the past few years. It's the same old guys. So 
what I believe they're going to have to do is get Eddie Lacy going. You got a pretty big back there. He's in better shape this season. You're going to have to give him the rock more. Twelve times is just not enough to take the pressure off of Aaron Rodgers, who was basically running for his life against that tough Minnesota defense staff. Now you got to give credit to Zimmer. He had these these boys ready, and the secret weapon in Minnesota that will make them successful is Norb Turner. Everywhere this guy goes, the quarterbacks get elevated to a better game. And so everywhere he's gone, in the seasons that he's gone, he's always put a, a mediocre quarterback to do stellar things. And because he opens the playbook, I mean, with Diggs and Bradshaw, they were tearing this, these, this Packer team through the middle and on the corner ends so badly that it was just laughable. And then Diggs, like you said, with burner speed, as long as he made one quick move, he was done. He was gone. So uh, Minnesota, I would say right now at this point in, the, in that division, I would say they own it now. They, they would probably own it right now. And if, if Bradshaw plays pretty well next week and gets another win – this team could literally go three or four and zero, oh, even without Peterson, but with the backing of their de- uh, their uh, uh, defense. And I, I would have to give Turner, Norm Turner, a credit for the play the, the play calling. Well, yeah, North can game plan. That was his, that was always his forte is, is running offense. You know, they they kind of when he became a head coach, they, that was kind of taken out of his hands, and he wasn't able to do those things like he wanted to. But as an offensive coordinator, this guy should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, every place he's gone to, as you alluded to, their quarterbacks have been lights out wherever he's been, and he can absolutely coach the game. And then as you spoke to also with Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer, can he, he's a great, great, great defensive guru. He has a great mindset for defense. So he already knows what, what he's looking at when he looks across at another team. And just the way that he coaches the game, you have to love the way he's going to go. I, I, I was saying earlier this year, you know, when people, you know, were sitting back saying the Packers, the Packers, the Packers. I'm like, listen, you got to look at this Minnesota team. They won a division last year, and they didn't have all the horses that they needed to. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater being a 28th-rated quarterback. So I just feel like now that you have Bradford, who in my opinion is a better quarterback, the better passer than Teddy Bridgewater, I just think that they really hit the jackpot, and they got lucky getting this guy in there. I know they spent a first-round draft pick on him, but everything is looking is pointing upwards for the Minnesota Vikings. And like I said, the key is Turner, because Turner made Alex Smith better. Turner made uh, Phillip Rivers better when he was playing with, with the Chargers. So everywhere he's gone, he's elevated a certain quarterback better. If he stays where he's at right now and Bridgewater comes back, for whatever reason, at this point, those two players, whether it be Bradshaw or uh, Bridgewater, will be better, and this Minnesota team will then be elevated to a higher level. And the defense is there, and, and you have a defensive-minded coach. You you know he's going to try to uh, plug in some better players come next season with the draft. Offensively, they got to find maybe one or two uh, receivers and maybe a better tight end at this point. But Rudolph is pretty decent. Um, and then, obviously, Rudolph, Diggs Rudolph is a surprise this week. We'll see how he does. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There, there's a lot of things in place, and give credit to Turner because his game planning is the key right there. He, he, as you can tell, if you watch the game, containment for Bradshaw was almost perfect. The amount of time that he gave him to find digs and to find his receivers, 
that was the plus right there. You, were, you weren't getting that so much last year, but this year you do that. You lose Peterson, and in, his, in turn of the offenses, you, you put yourself in a position where it's next man up, but he knows he's losing something, right? But he's not going to just use the running back to use the running back. Normally, he's using the running back on a third down, crucial third down, just to get the yardage punched in, not necessarily on first and second down. And then he's trying to kill you on first and second down with the passing game. Get the bigger yardage, get into the red zone, and then try to punch it in with the running game. And, and he's always been that type of, even when he was with Dallas and everything else. So hats off to Minnesota for making that call. Hats off for the, for the obviously, the gutsy um, you know, move to get Bradshaw in a desperation state. I mean, you lose Bridgewater, who was your high of, high of hopes, and all of a sudden now you, you, you lose a former MVP in Peterson with an knee injury, and, you, and all of a sudden you think, oh, my God, you know, if I was a Vikings fan, I would have said, oh, great, here we go again, right? But after the game that Bradshaw played with Diggs, I mean, your spirits kind of just lit, lit up and go, we're 2-0. and We should be just thrilled. And they should be thrilled at this point. So they probably own the division at this point. So let's move on to the bottom of the barrel of that division, which is the Jay Cutler, I'm, I hurt my finger and I can't come back and play the game, or my, 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 my wrist is bad and I shouldn't have started the game. Uh, but I did because I was a gutsy player, and, and all of a sudden I have to leave the game. And So, you know, bear with me, Bear fans. So where do you, where do you, where do you see this Bear team? Um. The- you know they they have a, a great wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. I mean this, this guy is definitely in the top five in my opinion at, at the wide receiver position. Uh, Jay Cutler can get him the ball. He is, Jay Cutler's pretty good. He's a good quarterback. He has a great skill set. But Jay Cutler does some of the most egregious things. And when you see him play, he just drives you nuts. A guy with that kind of arm with that kind of ability to play the quarterback position, just virtually just does whatever he wants to do. He just does whatever he wants. I mean, you know who he reminds me of? You remember Jeff George? That, that's what he Yeah, Jeff me. George. Great arm, great arm, horrible attitude. That's just, that's just the type of person that he is. And when you watch him, how many fumbles that he's had, you know, in his career, and I think it's well into the hundreds by now. I mean, every time you see him, he's getting hit and he's not – somebody's dropping the ball out of the sand. He doesn't have a whole lot at the running back position. I have no idea why they didn't try to re-sign Matt Forte. I just don't think Jeremy Langford is ready to take that, take the, you know, the reins at their running back position. And their offensive line is is just horrible. They're just, they're not a very good football team. They did look better on defense. You got Tracy Porter that's out there. Jarrell Freeman was just knocking people around yesterday. Gotta love that dude. I mean, he was, he was a monster. And then they brought in Danny Trevathan over there from uh, from the Broncos. And so they did play a lot better, but they lost some, some guys also on that defensive line, and they got some young guys over there in the defensive line. They're still going to be a work in progress, but they're not going to threaten anyone, especially the Packers and the uh, Vikings in that division. Now, the surprising story in that game was obviously Carson Wentz, and this kid's just been very impressive in his debut for the first two solid games. He's had very good games. He put up, I think, over 190, uh, about 190 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Ryan Matthews-Carson Wentz combination, um, you know, it's going well there for them. Uh, they break it open in the third quarter, and then that's it pretty much. Uh, I mean, Jay Cutler didn't play horrible. It was 12 of 17, I think, for 150-something yards. And uh, Carson Wentz was uh, 190 yards, one touchdown, and 
21 of 34, if I, yeah, 31 of, 21 of 34. So uh, are, are you impressed with Wentz at the potential that he's got to take this uh, Eagles team to maybe an undefeated streak here within the next, you know, next week and the week after, maybe 4-0? That would be so impressive. I mean, I I know I hear a lot about him being impressive, and I've, I've watched the game last night, um, and I've also watched bits and pieces of the Browns game. He does some good things. He does some things that you're surprised about. I mean, you know, uh, especially with him being a rookie. I just, I just, you, you have to take a step back for a second, okay? He played two very bad teams. He played the Browns, and he played the Chicago Bears. You have to add that to it, okay? So what better way to start the season to gain him confidence is, is you know, playing those teams. But the other thing you're going to have to be aware about, he kind of has the same problem RG3 has. He does not know how to take a hit. I mean, this guy, he's oh, not no, going to I, I was, I was so shocked. I was so shocked at the fact that he almost got his head kicked out. Yeah, I mean. I was like, what is he doing? Did you see the play where Trevathan just smacked him on the side? What were you? Why are you spinning right on the sideline? Just get out of bounds. Yeah. He spun. That, that was not good. Sideline, and Trevathan just smacked him, and, and just he's not going to laugh if he takes getting shots like that. He was already hurt in the preseason. We broke two ribs. So all I'm saying is, is that when he starts to play a little bit better competition. And when he also uh, is going up against and further into the season, I'm not sure how long this kid is going to last. You do like some of the things that he's done, but I'm not overly impressed by what I saw. All right. So we got next week, we got coming up, we got Texans, Patriots, and you already said New England, and I'm going with you. I, I believe New England will win this one on Thursday night football. And you can actually uh, watch it uh, on Twitter. You can get the Twitter uh, link feed from our Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Um, so you go Sunday. We got Bills and Cardinals. Uh, I, I think Arizona, they got their wake-up call last week. I don't think they're going to lose on the road. Uh, not the way Palmer and Fitzgerald's been playing right now. So I'm taking Arizona in that game. I'm going to go Arizona. Um, I just think they're just that much of a better football team. Buffalo's reeling right now. I just think they're going to start the season 0-3. All right, Raiders end up losing, uh, you know, in at, uh, at home against Atlanta. So they, they have to rebound against Mariota and the Titans. I just think Tennessee will pull this one out. I have a gut feeling that this, this young kid is going to take one out from the Raiders again. I know the Raiders have played well, but defensively, uh, you know, they've, they haven't been able to stop or coil everybody up. They've give, been giving up almost 25 points a game. If the Titans can keep it close – and their weapons on the running game and, and keep it keep it going, I think the Titans will edge the Raiders. Oakland has a better defense than they've shown against Atlanta. Um, I just think they're, they are the better team, and then not to mention they are very explosive on offense. Tennessee, I want to see how they can – they're tested against this team. Um, they play really well against Detroit, but I think Oakland is at a different tier when it comes to offensive firepower. I'm just gonna. Uh, I think Oakland's gonna win this road game. All right. So I know you're taking Redskins. I'll take Giants. I think the Giants are up and coming. They're up and you know they're under undefeated at this point. I really agree with you. I think that the Redskins' uh, defense is a little bit to be desired. So if uh, if uh, Cruz and Shepard and 
and uh, Beckham get it together this week against uh, the Redskins and they'll win. So uh, I'm assuming you're taking Washington. I am not. I just don't think the Redskins have what it takes. Uh, The last nine meetings in East Rutherford, the Redskins are one and eight. I don't think that they're going to win this game. I have sad to say, but I'm taking the Giants in this one. All right. Dolphins and Browns. I wanted to say Dolphins right off the bat, but after the performance they put up against the Ravens and given the fact that uh, their backup quarterback didn't play too bad, uh, I'm going to take Cleveland in this one. And I think they're going to beat them by maybe one touchdown. Josh McCown is not playing in this game. Their starting quarterback will be Cody Kessler. Typically, you would sit back and say that does not bode well for Cleveland. I'm going to disagree. I think the fact that Miami does not have much firepower on their team, and I just think they don't have any film on Kessler, I think I think Cody Kessler is going to actually win that game for Miami. I mean, for, for Cleveland. If you watch any part of that Miami game, and you just watch when they made a big play on defense. They recovered a fumble. No one was excited. No one. They all walked off the field dejected. I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself, like, did I just miss something? They just got a turnover, right? No exuberance. No yeah. exciting. No one's excited. That team is in shambles. I think it's just going to continue. Two bad teams, but I think Cleveland is going to beat them in Miami. All right. So the lowly Jaguars coming out of the. Uh... <laughs> Uh, off the horrible loss in San Diego, uh, they take on the Ravens, who barely squeeze one out of the Browns. Um, so uh, I got I I I got to go with Baltimore with this one. I mean, just Jaguars did not impress me against San Diego. Good buddy would say Baltimore. I'm going to be on the opposite side. I think Jacksonville. I think they're going to right the ship here. I just think that they have too much talent on offense and Baltimore doesn't have enough talent on that defensive side. They cannot rush the passer. I don't know how – I think the only reason Cleveland won is because their quarterback got hurt, uh, Josh McCown. I just think Jacksonville has too much for them. I think Baltimore comes back down to earth. All right. So we got Packers and Lions, Stafford, Rodgers. Um, I want to go with Rodgers, but based on what what they looked like in Minnesota, um, I think the Lions will, will win this one. Green Bay is a much better team than than what they've shown. Uh, I just think that they played against a really good team in Minnesota. Minnesota was jacked up because of their opening um, game in their new stadium. They're going back to uh, Lambeau, and Green Bay just does not lose a whole lot of games in Lambeau. I'm going to take Green Bay. All right. So uh, the Bengals taking on the champs, the Broncos. Um, at this point, I would have to probably go with Cincinnati if they can get it together. I think it will be an upset here, and they might edge uh, the, the Broncos. Huge game, huge, huge game. I'm definitely tuning in for this game alongside my game, of course. I agree with you. I think Cincinnati at home with the firepower that they have. Now, I know Denver has that great defense, but I think Cincinnati is one of those teams that can still give that Denver team fits even on their, that great defense that they have. And Cincinnati's defense is not a slouch either. I just think Cincinnati at home is just going to be tough. They're going to beat Denver, give Denver the first loss. Now, this is a game that I want to watch. Panthers, 
Vikings, Bradshaw taking on Newton, and given that they put up a 40-burger against, uh, obviously, the Niners, doesn't say much, but with the same token, uh, Norv Turner's, you know, offense is very explosive. So I'm thinking this is a shootout, and Carolina will win it by maybe a field goal. I think Carolina wins this game also. I think Carolina will find a way to take away Diggs. Um, it's not sure if Adrian Peterson is going to gonna play, but they're still not going to let that running game uh, beat them, even if Peterson was there. I just think Carolina has too many too many weapons on their team. Carolina wins this game. Now, my Rams, I'm, I'm taking my Rams over the Bucks because I think the defense is way better than the Bucks showed against uh, Arizona. Um, my only worry at this point is if Winston somehow gets it together, we're going to be crushed, but I'm going to be a homer. And I'm going to go ahead and take my Rams against the Bucks. I The Rams are traveling across the country. That's never really a good thing. Um, I think most teams have kind of debunked that over the years, but when you have two teams that are struggling, well, you have one team that's struggling to uh, move the football down the field, and then you have Tampa Bay's playing at home, I just think Jameis Winston has too much uh, confidence going. Now, that L.A. defense is going to be tough, but I just – I don't know. I think Tampa Bay is going to edge him in this game. All right. So, uh, the Western Bowl of dis- uh, probably disappointment at this point, Seahawks, Niners. Uh, Niners, impressive win against the Rams. They, they put up equal points against Carolina. Um, so, are we going to see the revised Seahawks in this matchup? And if we are, um, I want to take Seattle, but then I'm looking at them and going, I don't know if they can get it together. And given the Niners have put up almost 30 points consistently for the last two weeks, I, I don't want to take Frisco because of my loyalty aspect of it. But I am thinking San Francisco will beat Seahawks. Seattle does not lose at home. They, they, it is a absolute rarity for them to lose in that stadium. I just think that stadium is way too much. Seattle's going to be jacked up. They got a lot of leadership on their team. They are going to be extremely pissed off coming into that game. I think they really beat down San Francisco in this game. All right, so I'll switch my play again. I'll just take Seattle and not the Niners because I really can't do that. So I'll take Seattle. <laughs> Gotcha. Just being honest here, Troy. It just—it it, it was like one of those knucklehead moves in my brain, going, "What are you? What? What are you doing? Stop! <laughs> Go back to." I so I'm taking the Seahawks as much now. as I don't want to take the Seahawks, but I, I don't—I cannot take the Niners for the life of me. So I'm going Seahawks, anyways. Um, Jets, Kansas City. Uh, Alex Smith, Fitzpatrick should be a good one. Uh, Pretty—they play per, similar ball. Their weapons are pretty similar. Right, you got Macklin and you got Decker and you got Bradshaw. I think the offensive power, firepower on the Jets side will prevail over Kansas City's uh, trying to manage the clock too much for me. So I would say New York. I think Kansas City's defense would be the, the deciding factor in here. New York, the Jets' defense is reeling, but I don't think anybody on their offense really scares uh, the likes of Revis and Muhammad Wilkerson. Um, Toss up for me is in the arrowhead, so I'm gonna have to go with KC on this one. All right, and then we got Andrew Luck. Hopefully he's lucky, which I doubt. And um, as to your point earlier, Philip Rivers just lighting it up with Mr. Gordon, and then Gates just showed up out of nowhere and uh, obviously still durable. I have to take the Chargers here. I just can't seem to think that Indianapolis is gonna pull it off at home. 
especially with the Chargers playing in the last two weeks pretty well. San Diego's defense is vastly underrated, vastly underrated. And Indianapolis, number one, can't play defense, and they cannot stop the run. I just think that's way too much. I think Phil comes in there and beats them. Yeah, it's just just just, just too much. I think it's going to be too much. I mean, I'll be shocked if, if something else happens, but, I mean, that's the way they play the games. Uh, Pittsburgh and the real test, first real test for Carson Wentz. This is the Battle of Pennsylvania. So, um, I, as much as I want to take the Eagles, um, I cannot bet Roethlisberger and Brown at this point. So, uh, I'm taking Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh in an absolute blowout. I think Philadelphia comes right back down to earth. Everyone will see exactly what I've been saying. This team is not good. I'm not impressed with them. Bird comes in and dominates. And now you got your uh, your girl here, or our girl, as you would say, uh, getting Kishi's Cowboys taking on the lowly Bears. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. I think Prescott will impress again. And uh, Chicago's having a lot of issues here. So I would say Dallas wins it pretty handily, I think. One more game under Prescott's belt. I just think that's just adding, you know, to his lore. And he's going to go against the Chicago Bears team who is just, they're just, they're, they're not good. No way Dallas loses to Chicago. If they lose if, if they lose to Chicago, I'll be completely shocked. But I'm making fun of everyone and ever dawn the star. Give me Dallas in a blowout. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Uh, Monday nighter, and it's a shootout of the South NFC South. And this is this these two teams are always good to, to watch. It's sort of like back and forth. They know each other very well. Um, I want to take Matty Ice right now, but then. The way that uh, the Saints have been playing the last two weeks, uh, I think New Orleans ha- has to have this win, and I, I really think that they're going to win this at home. I don't think they'll lose at home. I think New Orleans actually is feeling better about their team by the way the defense played against the Giants' offense. The Giants' offense, in my opinion, is better than Atlanta's, maybe except with the exception of the running game. So I think they actually acquit themselves and they get their first win. Like, give me New Orleans. Yeah, and if you're taking fantasy points, consistent fantasy winning quarterback, um, you can always have you can always count on Drew Brees to put up the 25 or more points. So very consistent, just like Newton. So if you got any of those two quarterbacks, you pretty much you need, need to put them on there. If you need fantasy advice, make sure you go to at the Fantasy Greek on Twitter, the thefantasygreek.com at thefantasygreek.com for the fantasy advice. Uh, you can get that also there. So at the Fantasy Greek on Twitter, and you can get the uh, lowdown sit-ems and stardoms. Uh, and go to our timeline at Gridiron Beauties to get that information, as well as some of the up, uh, up, upload notes that it's going to be at Facebook Gridiron Beauties. Um, Troy, let's, let's go into college. Uh, let's go into the controversy. Clemson, uh, Dabble Sweeney, apologizes for his team being a distraction uh, regarding the uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and um, you know all you know the anthem protests and stuff like that. We already know that this is going to be going on throughout the season this year because it's a focal point. Um, look at what happened yesterday with another incident with a bystander, which is a female white cop uh, shooting an innocent person. You know, just like that. Um, it's pretty pretty black and white. I mean, that right there. You know, there's no question that person should be prosecuted, taken to jail, and taken off. But, you know, the policing uh, awareness 
is what we're talking about here. A lot of people have issues with it because they, they claim it's un, unpatriotic. We discussed it at length before on one of our podcasts. You can catch that on our podcast as well. Take the lineup up there. Um, it's under Kaepernick's anthem stance. And um, it, you can follow Troy as well at Troy Wilson underscore one, and you can find it on his timeline as well. You can listen to the podcast as we talked about it at length. But, you know, the, the, Troy, I'm getting this feeling that we all understand, I understand, that it's not an insult to the flag. It's not an insult to anybody in, pa- in, pa- in a patriotic sense. This is just sort of an awareness stance. Uh, you know, people don't, don't, you know, first people were griping because they were sitting down, right? Then we're griping because they're kneeling, okay? Now we're griping because they're standing and putting an arm up. So, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You're either going to accept the stand, the standing and the arm up. I'm okay with that. I, that's fine. You know, I, if you stand uh, and, and for the anthem, you put your arm up, that's fine with me. It's better than kneeling and sitting down in my eyes, you know, which was I thought was not the right thing to do. But at the same time, uh, we still have issues, and the, the issues are reality. In, in each community, we have issues, whether it be with the police force, whether it be an individual with the police force, whether it be an individual uh, not wanting to get, you know, captured by the police or restraining. You know, I mean, everybody has to own their own uh, damage. At this point, you know, the example that you have here this past weekend, you know, is just, you know, black and white. It's pretty clear. The, the, the officer made a mistake. Uh, the uh, the citizen did what they're supposed to, what they're told to do, right? All of us are told to do the same thing. Put, put your arms up and you're not going to get tagged. And all of a sudden, this is the reverse. So what do you think of, you know, he apologized, obviously, but I really think that everybody needs to start understanding that this is more of a, a, a week-to-week stance. It's going to happen week-to-week. It's not going to be go away. Um, and obviously, with the recent events that are happening, like this past week, it's still going to be a concern. And, and really, that's what it is. It's a concern. So, uh, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay, so I guess the problem that I have with everything that's going on with, with these things is that no one is taking the time to understand why people are taking a stance. You know, it, it's funny because if you read, if you read on social media, and I'm laughing because that's the only thing I can do. Um, but if you look on social media and what they're they're upset at any of the black players who have taken a stance, and then in the same sentence you call it them the N word, love America, you N word. I mean, how do you have no kind of concept of how just how wrong that is? I mean, that's their whole point is because they feel like they're being treated unfairly. And then you go ahead and then you treat them unfairly with that. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, he, he, honestly, I'm surprised that he was even against it in, in, initially because, I mean, he, he seems to be in touch with his players. He's what you call a player coach. Um, so to, to have him come out and at least apologize, that's one thing, but I think, with a lot of people, and namely a lot of his recruits, I think you're, you might see some of that go down with the recruit. And I think that's really the only reason why he apologized is because of the ramifications that it's going to have with recruiting. Clemson is a top-tier program. And so and most of the athletes that come in there, it's not surprising we are black players. So if you come out with, that, with, with a stance that's against what Colin Kaepernick is doing, that doesn't look well for him. So I'm not sure how how genuine is you know what he's saying is, but I, I'm not I don't know the guy, but I you know 
I'll just leave it at that. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I, we've already spoke about this ad nauseum, and I, I feel like if I start speaking on it, be able to stop, because I just feel so, I just feel angry. I just feel angry. I just feel like no one's listening to anything that's being said. Everyone is sitting back saying, and they're looking from their safety of their homes, and they're looking at the computer, and they watch it. And you have some people that are sitting there saying, oh, well, he shouldn't have walked his car. He should have just stood there. I mean, we've seen in the past where that doesn't matter either. People still been shot. His, his car window was up. So you use that as a justification to take the life of a man who had four children? And then I put myself in that, in that gentleman's shoes. I'm just imagining how my sons, how my sons will react how their life would be if my life was snuffed out because somebody just felt they wanted to they wanted to kill me, you know? And I, I don't think people put themselves in the other one's shoes enough. And this is on both sides. There have been some justifications where, you know, police officers have, have, have you know, had to use their weapons, and they were justified. There have been instances. I'm not saying there is not. But I mean, are we are we actually taking a step back and literally putting ourselves in someone else's shoes and saying, if I do this, here's the ramifications? This man had a family. This man had a family. Who's gonna Who's gonna sit there and talk to his kids? Are you gonna go to his kids and you gonna say, oh, um, listen, um, we he he was a scary looking dude, as the guy in, in the helicopter said. That's why we killed him. You think his kids are gonna be able to accept that? I just, you know, I I agree with you. I've had I think it's it's way wrong. It's way wrong. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's like I don't think under I don't think everybody understands uh, the fact that the message, you know, the message is still there. You have to, you know, I mean, it's just I know people throw out the stuff like you said, you know, okay, well they're making millions of dollars. Well, technically, it has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to do with it. It's really where, where you're addressing an awareness just like you would in any other community. I mean, it's like it's almost like I, I equate it to drunk driving, you know what I mean, in that aspect of it, where you're trying to bring awareness to somebody saying, hey, don't, don't drink and drive. And at this point where, you know, the, the opposite is, you know, the police need to be more vigilant, and, and, and it falls on individuals, okay? Uh, you can start with the individual, and then at that point you got to hold the, you know, the precinct responsible. And then you got to start, you know, you got to start making changes that way. And I think that's where the issue is right now that the changes haven't been made. Now, this incident that happened this weekend is black and white. I mean, the, uh, clearly the officer made a mistake because the, the the citizen didn't even have a weapon. You know what I'm saying? It's like a, it's totally different when somebody's got a weapon and you insinuate that maybe they're going to use the weapon for something, right? But where there's no weapon, I mean, it's pretty clear black and white that she made either a horrible judgment call, which at this point it's true because she made a bad call. And she killed the person, and like you said, the uh, the the individual's uh, you know family is going to be totally affected by this. And no matter what they do, you know, uh, well, they're going to get money. Or money doesn't fix anything. You took away a, a you know a, a parent, you took away a role model, a, a you know a father. Um, so I think what I was t- talking about in terms of the sports light is uh, the fact that everybody's still in this aspect of okay, well, they shouldn't be protesting. Well, technically. 
you know, uh, I think their stance going to go on for a while. You have to accept it, whether it be for 16 weeks in this season or whether it be for, you know, the next 18 months or 24 months. Until things change, uh, I think the message is, you know, you're calling out every precinct and every commander in, in the police uh, force to say, hey, you got to look at your staff and make sure that you're addressing that every day at roll call and saying, don't make this mistake. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, the, this is the way I look at it, Troy. The individual that got shot has no vest. If the cop would have got shot back for whatever reason, she would have survived at least one or two hits with the vest. See what I'm saying? So the, the, the chances of survival on one side are nil and none, while on the opposite side, good opportunity you're going to walk away or you're going to be okay. And I think that's where everybody's missing the point. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah. in terms of the college aspect of it, I think it's, it's still going to be going on. My point right now is that it's their right to do that. They're not breaking the law, as we talked about before. And I think some of the coaches need to realize that. Um, you know, let them voice their concerns. As I pointed out earlier, you know, we were mad at the beginning. Everybody at some point uh, voiced their discomfort by saying, oh, he's sitting down. Oh, by the way, he's kneeling now. And all of a sudden, now we're standing and putting an arm up, and now we have a problem with that too. So it's like you can't, you 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 cannot have it both ways. You know, I, I just, to me, it's just, you know, hey, they're speaking out, they're doing their thing. That's great. It's bringing awareness. It's another week that they have to bring awareness to. And if, if one more person, one more cop, one more precinct, one more community police force decides to, hey, let's let's just be better at what we're doing. So we're not one of those police force uh, or one of those uh, cities that, you know, does this, this type of mistake. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's this, this is just going to make things better. That's my point. It's like going to make things better. And at this point, you know, we got a long way to go because, you know, they're, you know, look at this week's example, right? And so right. we got a long way, a long way to go. And so um, for them standing, I mean, Hey, they can stand. I have no, I really, I really have no beef because, you know, they're not burning the flag. They're not stomping on the floor. You know what I mean? They're, they're not doing anything in that aspect of craziness. They're just standing up and putting their arm up by saying, Hey, we're, we're, we, you know, we're not going to, you know, we don't like the anthem at this point. We don't, we don't see the flag stand for, you know, for the treat equal treatment. That's fine. It's their right to do it. They're a citizen. As long as they're not damn uh, violate, you know, being, damaging anything like that that it's the right to do it's a it's a peaceful stance on it so um troy uh let's go to college then oklahoma at this point um it was a big week in college so um oklahoma week three out of uh, against ohio state and then all of a sudden uh we walk we walk into this week so uh what was the games that stood out to you this week um Ohio State beating Oklahoma the way that they did, it was just, uh, you know, Oklahoma, I mean, Ohio State put themselves squarely in the national championship picture with that victory. I mean, Oklahoma's a very good team. And, you know, Ohio State came into the season with a lot of young players. You had Mike Weber taking over the running back position, and they had no idea who they would have at the wide receiver position. And then this guy, Noah Brown, shows up. I don't know if you saw the catch. Uh, you guys the, on Twitter, you can oh, yeah. on my on my Twitter page, Troy Wilson underscore one. Wow, wow, that was the best catch I've ever seen. 
if you if you got a guy he caught the ball with one hand and pinned the ball to the defender's back and then cradled it in his other hand and basically hugged the guy and would not let him go as long as he kept and he just kept the ball still. That was better than the Odell Beckham catch. I hate Ohio State and I'm saying that. That was the absolute best best catch I've ever seen. So that team, Ohio State, man, they are rolling right now. So that was one of the better games that we saw. But the one that shocked everyone, if you are a college football fan, Florida State, one of the blue bloods of all blue bloods, destroyed by Louisville, Lamar Jackson, you might have seen me. If they had the Heisman vote right now, he would be the Heisman Trophy winner hands down. He was just – he absolutely destroyed that Florida State team 63-20. to 20. I, don't, I don't remember ever seeing a Florida State team beaten that badly, and it's especially with Florida State being rated number two. After that game, Louisville went from number 10 to the number three team in the nation. I would have put them ahead of Ohio State and just behind Alabama, who's the number one team. That was the most – that was just the most explosive game I've seen from a, from a player since Michael Vick. Michael Vick, by the way, tweeted that Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for Louisville, is five times better than he was, and that's saying something. Now, this this kid is just uh, so impressive. He's been explosive. He's been, he's been a playmaker, and I, I'd have to agree with uh, Vick. He really is a lot more, uh, you know, exciting than Michael Vick was. And because he's got so much speed as well on top of his arm, so uh, I mean, where do you see Louisville at this point? It's just it's the three and zero. In some polls, they're re-ranked number two, uh, as high as number two. So uh, I mean, is is this the only offense? Is this is this if this kid gets hurt? Is the question? Would they be this good? No, no way. I mean, it's, right now he's the best. He's the best player in the nation right now. So if you take the best player in the nation off of that team, then they, they come down to earth that quick. He is, I mean, if if you have not watched a full game to watch these guys play, I'll give you, I'll give you the three scores that they had this season. They beat Charlotte 70-14, to 14. not necessarily a shocker. He's playing Charlotte, not, not a very good team. Syracuse, also a bad team, 62-28. to 28. The shocker was the 63-20 to 20 against Florida State. This team just scores at will. They do not take their foot off the gas. Their biggest test, they have Marshall this week, but their biggest test is going to be on October the 1st when they go into Death Valley and Clemson. Clemson is ranked number five right now, one of the better teams in the nation. If they go ahead and they they beat Clemson, and it doesn't matter about how much they beat them, you just might see this Louisville team vault to the number one position. After that, the only test that they, the only real test that they have coming down the road will be at number six Houston, who, by the way, was the darling of college football the first week after they beat Oklahoma. Now, no one at all is really talking about Houston, who was just waiting in the wings for their chance at Louisville, who they beat last year as well. So, Louisville, that's going to be a huge, huge, huge game coming in November seventeenth. We're looking way ahead, but Louisville has the very, very. They have a very comfortable track except for those two games, Clemson and at Houston, both of the games on the road. Now, the SEC has been on life support um, sort of in in some ways. LSU lo- loses to Wisconsin heavily. Uh, Alabama seems to be the clear choice here. Obviously, we talked about that last week. 
and even uh, even Alabama showed some uh, you know some flaws against Ole Miss on the road, and then you go Big Ten uh, this past week with two losses the conference. One was to uh, I think five-time champ uh, North Dakota State against Iowa, and then it was I guess Big Ten West. But um, what the Big Ten appears to have multiple strong teams like Michigan, Mi- Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. So where is the SEC seems seems to is it Alabama at this point? Just pretty much with SEC. Uh, I mean the East, you have what uh, Florida taking on Tennessee and Knoxville. So what's what do we do here? I mean SEC and Big Ten, uh, are they are they going to separate themselves from each other in terms of what their scheduling is is working with right now? Well, typically with the SEC, they're going to beat the hell out of each other. That's just the way it goes. I mean you have Alabama. You also have uh, Texas A&M, you have Georgia, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, Florida. Ole Miss is still ranked. So, I mean, that right there is, is murderer's row, and they they all have to play each other. So, I mean, that that, that conference right now, even, even under bottom-tier teams, they're still very, very competitive. So, it's not going to be an easy road for Alabama, but Alabama gets everyone's best shot. Now, I know people are a little bit down on Ole Miss because they have two losses, but keep in mind, this is the same Ole Miss team who beat Alabama two years in a row. There is no one in the country who can say that they beat Nick Saban two years in a row except for that Ole Miss team led by Hugh Freeze, the head coach. So Ole Miss, and and they had that game, just the the same way that they had that game against Florida State. Ole Miss is right there, but they're, they're out of the national championship conversation but when it comes to them winning the conference, they they're still they still have aspirations to do that. They're still alive for that, so they're not dead. Georgia is out of the, all the SEC teams that are ranked are the least impressive. They just they haven't looked impressive in any of the three wins that they've had. So you know if if they're going to be down on any team in the SEC, it will be Georgia, Texas A&M, having to transfer uh, Trevor Knight, who transferred over from Oklahoma. They're the more surprising team because they lost Kenny Hill. He went. He transferred to TCU. They had so many guys transfer at their quarterback position, but Trevor Knight to fall down to the Texas A&M and get those and, and move in there. They're ranked number ten. They look really, really solid right now. So that is a surprise team right now. I believe they play. Um, Trying to see when they play if they play uh, Alabama, but that'll be Alabama's biggest test because Texas A&M recruits some of the just upper echelon teams just like Alabama does. Yeah, and, and to, if we go to the uh, Big 12, go ahead. Sorry, and, and, and to answer your question about the Big 10, I mean, what Ohio State did, sure. we, we spoke about that. Michigan um, struggled a little bit um, against a really game uh, Colorado team. If their quarterback didn't get hurt, that might have been a, even more of a shootout. But when their quarterback went down, Michigan kind of took that game over. Michigan has to go. Um, they're, they're staying at home, and they have Penn State coming in. That's not going to be much of a test. Penn State's kind of struggling there in transition after losing their quarterback last year. Michigan State, huge win over Notre Dame. They're definitely trying to set themselves up where they can, again, battle Michigan and Ohio State for the conference supremacy. Iowa has dropped down a notch after losing to North Dakota State, but that is not necessarily a bad thing. North Dakota State, the last six seasons, have beaten 1A programs, so that's not nothing new for them. But they just, it's the first time that they beat a team ranked as high as Iowa. 
So right now, if I were to say what would be the best conference, still be the SEC. They don't lose to teams like that. Um, so I would definitely say the SEC is the upper echelon right now. So the, in terms of the Big 12 at this point, their top two teams both fell. So now uh, the Big 12 is without a top 15 team in the AP poll for the first time, I think, in, in history, in their history. Uh, Oklahoma State's win over Pittsburgh. They win there. But both the Sooners and the Longhorns, um, they, you know, they're having they're having their their struggles at this point. So their playoff their playoff uh, race essentially is within two major non-conference losses in a, in a bad looks. Um, so among the five conferences, is is the Big Twelve just probably in worse shape? Um, yeah, right now I would say so. Um, you, when you look at the Big Twelve, as you alluded to earlier, I mean they they don't they, their their top team right now is probably Baylor, and Baylor looks a little shaky right now. They're in transition after losing their head coach, and they have um, uh, uh, Al Gro, uh, who is their um, interim coach. They haven't given him the, the actual title yet. So you know, with them. It's going to be a struggle going forward because they those teams basically just run up and down the field, and it just seems like no one in that conference plays defense. So even if they got to the playoffs or they somehow squeaked by and, and moved up in the rankings, they're going to have trouble getting votes to get into that playoff position because what they want to do is they want to have teams that can actually play on both sides of the ball, believe it or not. Um, but you look at teams like the Pac-12, uh, they have Stanford, who, you know, most people have figured with uh, Christian McCaffrey being a Heisman Trophy candidate, they were going to be strong. They're usually strong. They People had Washington highly ranked this year. They're starting to go ahead and pull away. They're 3-0 right now, ranked at the top 10. You have to be – you have to take your hats off to them. Utah has now come back into the top 12 – I mean, excuse me, into the top 25. So they're also a Pac-12 team, and they're trying to establish themselves as a power. We'll see how far along they go because it, it, last year they were highly ranked and they kind of dropped off after they had a few injuries and some big, big losses in bad spots. Yeah, and California's upset uh, win over Texas. That was really good. And then Colorado hanging tough with Michigan. And then you had UCLA bouncing back to defeat BYU. So, that that's, I mean, it, it's it's still a good a good conference there. If we had to go to, um, I guess I was I was looking at I think fan sided uh, earlier this week, and uh, before I came up on the show, and then I was trying to figure out. So the top, you know, the SEC just basically being the better conference at this point because of Alabama. So um, this coming week, what are the top three games before we get out of here that we should be looking for? One of the games that I wanted to take a look at would be this Thursday night game, and that'll be. Um, uh, Georgia Tech versus Clemson. Right now, Georgia Tech is, um, you know, they're three and up. And Georgia Tech, they have one of those. They have, they, they're one of the few teams that run the wishbone. And so, that always poses a problem for a lot of teams because there are a lot of teams used to going against teams that run the spread. So that's going to be a huge test for Clemson. Especially, you don't want Clemson trying to look forward to that matchup that they have coming up against Louisville. That's going to be a big test for them to see, um, you know, how they come out on that on that side of it. Um, for me, also, I, I got to give a shout out to my team, uh, Michigan. Uh, they're going in. Have, I mean, they're coming in. You know, they have uh, Penn State coming in th- this next week. 
So that's going to be a huge game for them. There's also another Big Ten game that's going to be huge. It's going to be Wisconsin going into East Lansing to play Michigan State. That's going to be a big game to see who's going to have the supremacy of that side of the conference. Huge game. And then also I spoke about it earlier last week, would be Florida-Tennessee. This is usually a huge game. That's one of the bigger rivalries in the um, in the SEC. Those teams just flat out do not like each other. This is all the way back from the Peyton Manning against, you know, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Steve Spurrier. So we want to look forward to, to watching those games right there. Also for another SEC game, Arkansas, number seventeen, they're going into Texas A and M. They got it. They have to. They're playing that game at Cowboy Stadium because it's such a huge game. Look forward to watching that game as well. All right. So uh, at this point, AP the AP twenty five is Alabama, three and zero at this point, ranked number one, uh, still at number one. Ohio State, uh, number four, uh, and so they're also three and zero, and they they move up from number three to number two. Uh, Louisville, the biggest jump that we've seen last week. Obviously, they were ranked sixth, uh, and they're three zero in the ACC. And they, uh, I'm sorry, they were tenth, and now they're now they're ranked number three. So they they come down, um, and then um, they come up to the polls. Michigan was number four, so they stay the course three and zero. Clemson three and zero. Houston out of the American Conference, 3-0, and and they dropped from uh, – they were basically – or they stayed keel at six. And then Stanford followed by Michigan State. And then the top ten is uh, Washington uh, out of the Pac-10 plus um, Texas A&M as well. So uh, we'll keep you posted. Uh, and at Troy Wilson underscore one all, all weekend as well as during the uh, NFL game day plus uh, Tuesday night uh, – Thursday night football as well as Monday night football. So keep tabs on that. You can also follow us at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter. You can follow in Kishni at Kishi's Cuties, K-E-S-H-I-E-S, Cuties uh, on Twitter, Kishi's Cuties. Um, and you can follow the links there as well. So it's going to be a pretty exciting weekend of college football. And we'll be kind of like talking about the stretch run here because it's getting to the point where now it's after four weeks, then it gets pretty hot and heated. So, so Lamar, the King Lamar, is, is some people have proclaimed him. So we'll get to see him as well uh, with Louisville this coming week. Um, so they they're two and zero in conference. Overall, it's three and zero, and so we'll get to see see how this kid progresses. But I'm I'm with you. I think he's basically the potential at this point to uh, for the Heisman because he's he's doing so much so much good things. So we'll see how that turns out for him. Uh, anything else to add? Um, just looking forward to this, this weekend. Um, as usual in college football, there are going to be some huge upsets, so keep your eyes posted to all of those. And any kind of upsets that are brewing, uh, most channels are pretty good as far as, like, letting people know. And, and since everyone has these huge packages, it shouldn't be hard to find these games. Either. Awesome. So, uh, you know, keep we'll keep you updated also on Twitter, uh, thanks to Tacilio.com as well. Uh, we'll get the news sources as well from all the feeds and all the people that we network with, as well as the, uh, you know, the regular legit sites, which is NCAA football and uh, NFL and stuff like that to get you uh, up to date. And so if you, if you have uh, any conversation, any idea, you want to talk about, uh, you know, any of the games, NFL, college, uh, you can hit Troy up at Troy Wilson underscore one. And we can debate on Twitter, kind of give you back and forth on that. So, um, 
make sure you visit our Zazzle shop at Great Iron Beauties, Zazzle.com, Great Iron Beauties. So you can get the latest chalk line gear that to help support the women's Outback Australian team. And every sale goes towards that. We've only raised about close to $200 right now. So uh, we need to raise a lot more than that. Their bill for, I think for each, each player is like $8,000. So we got a lot of work to do and I'm pretty sure they're fundraising as well. But uh, unfortunately it's, we've only raised that much because obviously the shirt donation is only about $3. So we'd have to sell a boatload of shirts to catch to to $8,000. So uh, at this point, whatever you can help us out with, that'd be awesome. Subscribe to our podcast right here on blog talk radio, click the follow button. Don't miss any of our podcasts. You can listen to any of our podcasts going uh, back pretty much two years. uh, Even before Troy was here, it's pretty exciting. And you can also listen to us at ultimatesportstalk.com. You can go to ultimatesportstalk.com for WWE, MMA, NBA, and every other major sports news story. You can catch theirs there as well as our podcast there. Uh, you can visit us on Facebook at Gridiron Beauties. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Gridiron Beauties. So uh, for Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez, we'll catch you here next week right here on Block Talk Radio, ultimatesportstalk.com on the Gridiron Blitz. Have a great night, everybody. See you guys.